Hello, everybody, and welcome back to 62 Who Knew. This is our 45th show in seven weeks. Uh, will be our one-year anniversary, and we have something incredible planned for that. Um, <laughs> but I have seven weeks to plan that, so that'll be really great. Uh, but it is going to be a great show, um, and I want to welcome you for being here. I'm sorry about last week's repeat. Uh, that was my own personal fault for not, for not being able to get here on time. But we did show one of our more popular episodes uh, with Mr. Mark Goldberg, our favorite long-term care insurance expert in the country, and Ms. Diane Daniels, the founder of the Medicare Nation. And it seems that long-term care insurance and Medicare seem to be uh, the tickle spot of our audience because that's when we have our biggest shows. So even as a repeat, we had a little more than 40,000 viewers. But thank you for, uh, for being there for that. Uh, tonight, we have a very special guest. He was with us on the fourth week, 41 weeks ago, uh, Mr. Joe Pippen. He'll be introduced in a little while. Uh, one of the most prestige, has built one of the most prestigious uh, law practices, not just in Florida, but the southeastern United States. Has the longest running attorney call in show and uh, has helped more than 50,000 people in the last 35 years. That's really a a staggering number when you think about it. So as always, I'm going to start with just a quick synopsis. Oh, I'm going to welcome back Nada because she hasn't been here for a few weeks between helping her mom and being sick. Welcome back. The co-hostess with the mostess. You don't see her yet, but that is her hand. And yes, there she is. And there is <laughs> Mr. Pippin. So for a second, before we go right into the show, as we always do, we're going to do a quick synopsis of what is 62 Who Knew. And we're always so happy to do this because it seems like the premise of the show uh, has certainly caught on as we started 45 weeks ago with no viewers, and now we're up to more than 40,000 a week with a goal of 100,000 before the end of this year, uh, that between our brilliant guests like the man we have tonight um, and the power of WeBeam TV and John Gaston and many other things, we're going to meet that 100,000 goal before the end of this year. But what is the premise of 62 Who Knew? It's a simple premise, and people seem to have accepted it. As you approach the age of 62, and you approach that age of retirement, and 62 seems to be the magic number for retirement. Uh, maybe it's because that's the year you can choose to take Social Security. Maybe because that's mandatory retirement in many large corporations. But for whatever reason, whether it's my generation, I just turned 61 on July 4th. None of you sent a card, but that's okay. No, no, nothing personal. Um, I'm not taking it personally. Whether it's my generation, which is the baby boomer generation, or our fathers or their fathers before them, or even their fathers, everybody has the same thoughts as they approach retirement. Should I take Social Security? Should I defer to a later age? Did I save enough money? Should I invest in the stock market or income annuities? Should I have long-term care insurance? If I already have it, do I have enough of it? If I don't have it, am I too old and too unhealthy to get it? The questions are unlimited, but all of us ask the same questions, except for maybe the top quarter percent of the country, the people with a net worth of 20 million or more. They don't ask those questions. The rest of us all ask those questions. But my generation, the baby boomer generation, has a different obstacle, a different hurdle to jump than any preceding generation. And what is that? Longer lifespans. Modern technology, scientific, and medical breakthroughs over the last 30 years are allowing us to live longer than ever in the history of our world. In fact, if you make it to 62 today, you have a 50-50 chance in this country of making it to 90 or above. And when you let that sink in, the ability to live 62 years, 
then want to start planning your retirement and knowing that you're going to be here half the time that you've already been here. So we get right back to that statistic that only a quarter percent of this country is capable of retiring in the early 60s. The rest of us are trying to figure out how to do it. And that is what this show is about. Who knew at 62 that you would get this far in life and go, wow, I still have 30 more years. How are we going to do it with a quality of life? So that's the premise of our show. And we endeavor as much as we can to bring guests to you every week to help that quality of life between 62 and when you ultimately leave us. So thank you for accepting our premise. We are back. And without further ado, for the second time, Mr. Joe Pippen. Hey, How it's are you? great to be here. It's great. Yeah. You were the first person. That, you know, we tried a call-in show, and uh, you were nice enough to tutor me and say how difficult that really is because you've been doing it for, for decades. We and did get some calls then. We did, and uh, I was, you, know, I, you were happy. At the end of the show, I went, only like three calls, four <laughs> calls, what happened? I was on your show, and the phone never rang. And, of course, you, you mean, gently always rem- rang. What? Always rang. Yeah, always. It, it always never rang. stopped when I was there. It just never stopped. Um, but uh, you've gently and politely reminded me that you've been doing it 35 years and I've been doing it four weeks. Well, that was our fifth week. So um, we, we went away from the call-in segment and we went back to this type of segment and we've been growing ever since. So things have changed since the last time you were here. Uh, not too much, but enough. And we always start with the same question. Um, it doesn't make a difference whether our guest is an attorney, a long-term care specialist, an annuity specialist, health, travel, I always ask the same question. What got you specifically 35 years ago, not just into your radio show, but into law and into elder care law specifically? I, I have found that most of the time it's a personal thing that has to do with parents or a relative or, or something like that. So that's my first question before we go technical on you. All right. Well, first of all, I've been practicing law for uh, 38 years, and then I've been doing my radio show for 35 so I didn't start doing my radio show until about three years into my mm-hmm. practice. I think uh, I always like to tell the story that when I finished college, my dad says to me, we know you want to go to law school. Mom and I will be glad to help you like we did through college. But if you get married, you're on your own. Oh, that's, wow. That's what I was told. Uh-huh. And I've been dating my uh, dream girl for five years. Oh, wow. And so we, I wanted to get married. So we got married and I went to night law school. So I had a good job uh, up in Baltimore going to law school at the University of Baltimore at night, and I actually stayed with the company uh, for 11 years. Then I got a job offer down here in Florida to be general manager of a small electronics company, and at age 35, I had my law degree, and I had never used it. So I told myself, if I don't use my law degree now, I never will. Mm-hmm, that's true. So I ran to the Florida State House in 1982, <coughs> started my law practice at the same time, le- left the job. And I tried everything my first two years. I mean, I did bankruptcies, I did foreclosures, I did divorces. Uh, And somebody that had known me along the way in my business path invited me to come speak at a seminar on a state planner, financial planner. And then I got some business from there. And I decided that I didn't want to do trial work, didn't want to fight with people. I wanted to uh, help as many people as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. And estate planning seemed the perfect way to do that. Absolutely. So I could just sit in my office all day, have clients come, come and go, 
and I did something they're happy with. They put it off for a long time. They finally got around to it. Yeah. And I was able to help give them a peace of mind and really do something great to help people in my practice. And this does. I mean, the peace of mind that it does give a person. You don't really think about that till you're older, right. knowing things that are taken care of for your children and your grandchildren once you depart this earth. So when I was, uh, after the uh, campaign that I didn't win, didn't miss it by much though, uh, I had met the, the editor of a small local newspaper. And I said, you know what I'd really like to do is to write a column called Ask an Attorney. Mm -hmm. And uh, it would be a column where uh, uh, people would send in their legal questions. So the first few you know, weeks I made up questions, but then it caught on and people started sending questions. And after about a year and having about 50 articles, I published a little book. Took the book by the local radio station, said I'd be glad, here's a book that I just wrote, and I'd be glad to be interviewed if you know, any of your hosts would like a guest. The uh, uh, manager of the radio station, uh, they immediately had me on one of the shows. Phones lit up like crazy. Manager of the radio said, would you, we would like to give you a show. Would you please come in and do a show called Ask an Attorney? And it didn't cost me anything, which is unheard of today. Absolutely. To That's amazing. Um, and so then I had a three-hour show on Sundays from 1 to 4. Phones filled up the whole three hours. And then I was on radio and television and all kinds of things happening. Like my book kept growing. and. I have uh, like 13 editions of the book, Ask an Attorney. What is the name of the book? Oh, the Ask book an Attorney. Ask an Attorney. Yeah. So that's the story. That's a great story. i got to ask, high school sweetheart, still married? 49 years, it'll be 50 this oh, December. Oh, that is incredible. Congratulations. That's Thank awesome. You. 50 years, that's seven times both my marriages. That's a, that's, <laughs> that's a feat. Now, two days ago. To the same woman. Yes. That's incredible. Uh, two days ago, I hosted my uh, parents, who are still married uh, and living, I should say. Yeah. 75 years. Wow. That, God bless them. I mean, and that's they, incredible. And they were both got married when they were 20, so they're both 95, been married now 75 years. Are there any chance they're watching? No. You well, came on this huge they, TV not, show you didn't tell them? Well, they're not, uh, I don't think they have watched uh, TV on, the, on their computers. Okay. Usually, oh, that's you know, right. So. That's John's fault. Why aren't we on ABC? Okay. <laughs> well, you'll send them a link. I will. Well, and give them my absolute best. I think that is so incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, so. my generation and little younger generations do not take the, you know, I, I joke about it, but I wish I was married 40, 50 years or something like that. It just didn't work out there. But I think that is incredible. And I met your lovely wife just a few weeks ago yeah, when we, we saw each other right. at the restaurant. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's, that's just incredible. I really, I really think that's great. All right, you're going to ask some questions. Nate is going to ask some questions because she hasn't been here in a while. So we're going to get her back in the flow. <laughs> and um, Nate, you go ahead and take over. I'm just going to be the pretty. You're going to take over. You're going to sit there the, and look pretty? Yeah, I'm going to be the pretty one today, and Nate is taking <laughs> over. All right, so you do a lot of estate planning. I do. So what is um, the, who are the people that should do estate planning? Well, I think everyone should do estate planning. The, if you have assets and want to uh, plan on what to do with them, you should. And anyone over the age of 18 might have a car, might have assets. At some point, uh, pretty soon after 18, they might have minor children. Mm -hmm. So it's very important to have an estate plan of who the guardian who would raise the children, uh, how, when the money gets distributed out, and so forth. So if you don't have a will, guess what? You have one anyway. You have a statutory will. Uh, so the state of Florida makes a will for you, and all states have statutory wills. So if you don't do one, then this, you've, you've said basically, here, I don't care how this is distributed, who gets it, who's in charge of it. You, you haven't made a plan, so the state makes a plan for you. And that's probate. That's, well, that's probate, that but that's a probate? statutory distribution of who gets the assets, who's going to be the guardian of the minor child, and who's going to be in charge of your estate. 
Okay. Well, I, I so have that. Yeah, I have that. If, if, if they do this statutory will and there's two children, logically, what, they give half to one child, half to the other? Yes. Does Florida dip their hand in for anything? Well, no. Is there a spouse uh, mm-hmm. involved? Okay. Uh, are there other children from other marriages when you die? It I mean, gets it, kind it, of complicated. It, it, well, it could. It could. But if there was one marriage and two children and the second spouse dies, the statutory would go to the two children, two children on a statutory probate, mm-hmm. which most, people, most of my clients like to avoid that probate. Absolutely. So. Is there a cost to do probate, too? Oh, yeah. The attorney fee is 3 to 6%. Oh, wow. Okay. So very, that's... very expensive. So you're better off doing some pre-planning with an estate plan. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Plan to avoid probate. So three to six percent. So you're talking about, let's say, Upper America that's dying with five million in their estate. They're paying 150 to 300 thousand. Well, there's a sliding scale downward oh, I see. on the fee. So after you get past a million, it drops a little bit, and it continues to drop a little bit. But it's still a. But but it's the attorney number. can charge whatever they uh, whatever the client agrees to. Right. So if the client doesn't know any better and they come in and say, well, that'd be 3% on the $5 million, and the client agrees to it and signs the fee agreement, then it's 3%. Right. If they shop around a little bit and some, find someone else that charges according to uh, the fee schedule and the statutes, mm-hmm. it'd be less. And if they negotiate real hard, it could be even less than that. Even less, yes. So who is the person usually doing that? Since the person that left it is dead, is it usually, since there is no will, who's doing it? Well, an interested party. Okay. Like the two children, yeah, yeah, okay, would come in. Or maybe another attorney. Well, um, well, he's not talking about hiring the attorney, though. No, so maybe one of the children could possibly have a, not a, right. not, not somebody on. Okay. You know, on yeah, retainer, one, one of the children could co- come in, or they could both come in, and uh, if they both agree on who would be the personal representative, they can uh, they can agree to that, and one would be appointed. If they both want to serve, then they they would both be could be appointed as co. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you have to use an attorney along the way, though, when you're doing that. There are three levels of probate, and uh, if you're under $6,000, you can do uh, a possible way to do it was without disposition, they call it, without an attorney. From six to 75000 is called summary. Uh, if there's more than one beneficiary, you need an attorney there. And over 75000 is called formal administration, and you need an attorney. Okay. All right. So what are the different ways to avoid probate, then? Well, most of my clients, uh, this little poster sheet that you mentioned earlier, I'd be glad to send this to anyone that would be interested in it. Uh, And it's got the three options in estate planning. It's got a cost of probate chart, a little comparison between wills and trust. Mm -hmm. On the other side has uh, the website information, the attorneys and offices and so forth. Mm -hmm. All right, so what was the question? (laughs) How do you avoid probate? How do you avoid probate? Most of my clients choose option number three, which is a living trust. Okay. So a living trust is just a fancy will. You create it when you're living, and when you die, the trust is still living. So that means the successor trustee that's been nominated now takes over, and uh, because the assets are not in the name of a deceased person like with a will, they're inside a living trust, the successor trustee can immediately take over Okay. those assets, pay the bills, do the creditors, do the taxes, and make the distribution, no probate, very okay. quickly and privately. If you have a will, the will becomes a public record, the, uh, there's a probate fee. The, you didn't plan for guardianship or incapacity, which is very important. With a trust, yeah. you do. Uh, and it's a private document. So uh, a will's a public record. Uh, trust is a private document. Okay. So that means, like, um, if you did do the will, you could have people coming out of the woodwork laying claims on, on the deceased person's stuff. 
Oh, yeah. Um, lots of people say that they were a child and feel like they're entitled to something, or they come up with an old handwritten will, or they, a lot of different things can happen uh, unless you ha have a, a formal will yeah. prepared. I don't know why anybody would in today's world. I mean, other than being destitute, possibly, but I mean, you would want to have this. It's not an expensive thing, especially if, you're, if your net worth is probably, you know, like, let's face it, 90% of Americans, their net worth is 90% of their house. They're not leaving much of else. It's a sad statement, but that happens to be true about, about us right now in the condition we are. How could you not want a will or a trust to say where your only asset is going? Yeah, and see, if you have a house, like uh, a lot of our listeners have a home, do you want that to go through a probate process when you die? I would think not. Because it's going to be in a deceased person's name unless you do some planning. Mm -hmm. One of the big mistakes, though, people will say, well, why don't I just put one of my children's name on the property or the car or the home unless I'll just give it to them joint with right of survivorship and when I die, it's automatically theirs. Mm -hmm. Well, if you do that with a home, guess what? You've, uh, you've messed up the cost basis upon death. It does, the whole property's not going to get a stepped-up cost basis. You've mm -hmm. possibly lost some of your homestead exemption, and you find out later that could cause you back taxes and problems like that. Well, what, um, um, what do you mean by that? Yeah, expand uh, on that. Can you explain that? So many that people because, are confused by that. Yeah, I'm confused by that. By putting someone's name on a, 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 a child's name on a house? Oh, putting the child's name on the house. What if they did... Because I know that there's something called a life estate, a life estate a lady deed. deed. Lady bird deed. Is that the same thing, life estate deed? Yeah. Well, it's different than joint ownership by putting someone's name on it. But a life right, estate right. and lady bird deed are, are the same thing, basically. Okay. Uh, so what's, it's nothing wrong with that, and that does avoid probate. Okay. The difference I like to explain is if you have a living trust and put the home in a living trust and become incapacitated, then the successor trustee can manage that, make decisions about it, sell it, uh, do whatever is necessary, because uh, now they're in control of the real estate for the benefit of the person who created the trust. Uh, if you did a ladybird deed, just like a transfer on death or a paid on death mm -hmm. account, nothing happens until death. Okay. So Which you don't have you have the flexibility of being able to take over the property uh, when you're living. Okay. And then the other thing I was going to ask, and then so back up to when you said you can lose some of your homestead stuff, um, if you put the name on the deed while they're living, mm -hmm. then back up to what you said that you could lose some homestead rights. Okay, well, first of all, that would be a gift, and you can only give away 15000 per person. So if you're going to put someone's uh, name on the deed to your house, the house should be appraised, and you're going to have to f fill out a gift tax return to report that you've given away more than 15000 you can elect not to pay a tax and use up part of your $11.4 million exemption upon death. You can use part of that if you make a gift while you're living. The problem, though, is when you live in their home and you're entitled to the whole homestead exemption and you put someone else's name on there, not only is there a possible gift problem, but now you don't own the whole house. So you're only going to be entitled to half of the exemption. Mm -hmm. So you messed up your uh, homestead exemption and you messed up if you die with a house, then it gets a stepped-up cost basis, mm -hmm. which means now that house can be sold at the full value of the house. If you give it away, then only half of it gets stepped up. It also could affect their interest write-offs, you know, because even in today's world, although with the new tax laws, most people are not using the interest right. anymore because there's such a, a, a minimum, you know, such a huge deduction, an automatic deduction. But if half the person owns your house doesn't live there, you really can't write off all of your interest on your owner-occupied mortgage. Probably only right off half, I'm right. guessing at that. So why do you think a person would want to put their child's name on their house? To avoid probate, Avoid probably. probate, yeah. Mm -hmm. But see, they don't think about all these other problems. 
Right. They don't think about the appraising, the gift tax, the loss of homestead. And the homestead uh, has a lot of asset protection value. Nobody can mm -hmm. sue you and take your homestead. But you give away half of your house to your son or daughter, and they get sued. What if they live with them? If they live with them, then they both would be, could be entitled to the homestead. Yeah. Okay. But if they get sued and they don't live there, then half of it's not homestead, then a creditor can possibly... Wow. Subject to creditors. Yeah, subject to creditors, the half that they don't own. You mentioned $15,000 uh, per person for a gift. Is there any scale on that, or depending on your net worth, or that's just it? That's the regulation? Per 15 year. Grand. Per person per year. All right, per person per year. And there's no gift tax as long as you're 15000 or below. Right. Well, actually, there's no gift tax. You could give away 100000 mm -hmm. You fill out a 709 gift tax return, and you say, I've given away. You don't have to report the 15, so I've, you, I'm reporting $85,000 gift. Uh, and elect not to pay a tax on that and use up your lifetime exemption. So now your lifetime exemption dropped from 11.4 minus yeah. you know, 85,000. So really the great majority of the country could actually do that if they wanted to because how many people really you know, are having a $22.8 million um, estate or 11.4 if, if it's only one of them? I don't know that percentage, but it's got to be ridiculously small. But on the other hand, there's no reason to give away money if you're not going to have to pay tax on it for the most part. That's right. It used to be you'd give away money to reduce the size of the taxable estate yeah. or give part of it to charities that would be taxable. There had a lot of good reasons in the past to, uh, to give money away. Now you really don't have many good reasons tax-wise and so forth to, to give it away unless yeah. you just want to be helpful to your family. Yeah, it would be nice just to do it to be helpful, just, but yeah, right. no tax benefits. Sorry, we never liked you that much and there's no tax benefits. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry Junior. You know, paying off your student loans. Right. Yeah. Wait till I die. <laughs> and you don't have to give them anything when they, you die either. That's another kind of myth that they would be entitled to something. Uh, children aren't entitled to a, a inheritance. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, so you don't have to give them anything if you don't want to. In fact, if you didn't want to give it to them, and I have a client every now and then that comes in and says, well, you know, I've got two wonderful children and one child I haven't seen for 30 years and mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't get birthday cards, I don't get phone calls, I don't get anything, they've disowned the family and I don't want to leave looks anything. looks like the milkman. I mean, he's just, yeah. So then what I do is I just put in the document, I've omitted so-and-so for personal reasons because you don't want them to make a claim that they, well, they just forgot me. Yeah. That's not a real good legal argument, but, but they could cause a lot of trouble uh -huh. to, uh, so you just put I've omitted so-and-so for personal reasons. And you could just put down a charity and, as you said, leave out the children. Um, and if it's done correctly, the children really have no right to contest that, I guess, as long as your client was of sound mind, I would assume. Right. Yeah, the most reasons that are used to contest documents like wills and trusts are uh, incompetence or undue influence. Now, I, had, I have an undue influence case all the time. I had one today. Undue influence. Explain that to us. Okay, so what happened was uh, mother, elderly mother came in with daughter, and uh, elderly mother, and I says, before you say anything, I just I want to tell you that if you have come here with your daughter and she's going to be favored in the document, don't speak any more about it because I'm not going to do the document. I said, the biggest reason that bulls get contested are undue influence. So if your daughter drove you here, sitting here, is listening to our conversation, and you do a will or trust that leave everything to her, it could easily be contested by your son, mm -hmm. um, and he would win most right. of the time. 
concerning your daughter in a deposition, did you bring mother to the meeting? Did you drive her? Did you call and make the appointment? Were you sitting in the attorney's office? They asked you 50 questions to make you look bad, yeah. and you lose. So then it goes back to 50-50. So I said, mother, if you want this to work, you need to come back on your own. Your daughter was going to New York tomorrow anyway. Mm -hmm. I said, don't tell her about the appointment. Come in on your own. I can do the document. I'll write in my notes that you came alone, and the document uh, most likely is going to work. I never would think so, of anything like that. That's incredible. That's interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. So that's what she did. They both left. She wasn't going to tell her daughter when she was coming back. All she had to do was call my office to make her own appointment. Right. And she'll come back, and I'll do a document, and it'll, it'll work. Otherwise, it could have easily failed. Right. It's almost like an appeal. Yeah. Yeah, that, wow. that's very interesting. I and never the, would have thought that. Yeah, you think most of the time incompetence would be the reason that most documents would fail? It's undue influence. Undue influence. I think back on, um, you know, I took my dad to every legal appointment and every doctor's appointment and every every appointment, you know, in the last pretty much five to eight years of his life. So, um, wow. Well, part of that's not fair in my mind. Right. Because, you know, uh, daughter, it doesn't matter whether it's daughter or son, but right. I'm going to use daughter, uh, quits her job up north, comes down to take care of mother, takes her everywhere, takes her to doctor's appointments, does everything in the world for her. Yeah, why should the other people get as much as her? Yeah, but if she came and when brought mother to my office and I did the document and the son that's never contacts anybody, doesn't really care that much about the family, uh, contest, he's going to get half. Yeah. So it doesn't seem fair that this daughter who does everything for mother, takes mm -hmm. her everywhere, shops for her, does everything you can imagine. Quit her job. Quit her yeah, job. Her life, yeah. Gave up her life. Yeah. And now she's bringing uh, mother to the attorney's office to do a document and, and mother wants to leave her more or everything. And I've seen it all. I've seen it a lot. It gets contested and they, they say what's well, undone. It's mean, I'm sure. Wow. It doesn't seem fair, but that's what happens. That's life. That is life. And then what is the difference between transfer on death and paid on death? Well, you can go to your bank, most likely, and you can tell the banker that you want to set up an account, and they either call it transfer on death or paid on death, so you can set up account mother, uh, paid on death to daughter. Mm -hmm. So the question is, will that avoid probate? The answer is yes. Is that the best way to set up an account? Well, maybe not, because most of us, we don't like to think about it, but most of us are going to become incapacitated at some period of time before death. And if that money was in a trust, then it could be used by the trustee, which could be the daughter, for the mother's benefit as long as she lives in a lifestyle she's accustomed and still avoid probate upon death. Okay. And not only that, if mother also had a home, that could be put in the trust to avoid probate. So uh, a living trust is far better in my mind than a paid on death or a transfer on death account. Now some accounts that people own are uh, like life insurance annuities, retirement accounts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The uh, asset itself is structured most of the time to have a beneficiary. Right. Like retirement accounts insurance. Right. right. So the question is, do those go into a trust? And most clients, the answer would be no because it already your goal was to avoid probate and the product itself avoids probate because it's structured that way. Uh, but there are some circumstances where the beneficiary would be a trust. Now the examples I like to give, if you have a spendthrift child, child would you give them an inheritance to be gone very quickly? 
and you want to make sure that your hard-earned, long-earned money <laughs> is going to last a while, then you can, uh, you can have it come into the trust, and then you can stretch out the distribution over time. I like that. Yeah. Uh, suppose you have uh, a child with an addiction. You give them money outright, what have you done? You just enabled the addiction. Mm -hmm. So I have a case in Jacksonville where a man last year was in hospice, had two sons. He had wonderful son, A, who had a good job, hard worker, uh, good spouse, good family, uh, attentive to dad, cards, birthday, lunches, and all kinds of things. His other son uh, lived under a bridge and had addiction problems most of his life. So dad says, I love them both. I want to uh, treat them equally. So he gave what we'll call wonderful son his 50% outright. In fact, he already has it because I'm the trustee. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other son uh, has to go. He gets a monthly amount. And of that, rent gets paid directly to the landlord. Very smart. Uh, most of his expenses and doctors and medical appointments are paid directly to the doctors. In fact, the dad said get him some front teeth. He lost his teeth. I want him to have some nice-looking teeth so he, maybe he can get mm -hmm. a job, straighten out his act. Uh, and he gets a, a, every two weeks he gets a food allowance. What he does with that is hard to control. Right. Uh, I make him go to AA meetings. I make him report to me. I give him my cell number and say, you call me if you have an urge to drink. Um, and if you, I have the ability to suspend his distribution if he has a problem. Seems like so. you're going above and beyond as more of a quasi-replacement father yeah, well, than an attorney. Well, yeah, but a good trustee would do that in yeah, this that's, case. No, I think that's the parent, incredible. The parent trusted me to do that, so I'm Congratulations. I mean, that's, that's a wonderful thing to do. So also, uh, now I have a special needs brother. If my father gave me half of the estate and my special needs of a brother half of the estate outright, he'd lose all of his government benefits. Of course. So uh, wow. there, there's, a special, there's a special needs trust you can have half of it go to my brother, but only can be used to the extent it doesn't interfere with any government benefits he's entitled to. Uh, so there are a lot of wonderful things you can do in estate planning. Uh, yeah, I am. But well, I know, a really good result. I know in, in, in my other world, in the reverse mortgage world, you know, uh, the proceeds of a reverse mortgage will not affect Medicare or Social Security, but can have a devastating effect on Medicaid uh, or other government entitlement programs unless we use a professional like yourself to set up a trust uh, so they can access those uh, reverse mortgage proceeds for exactly what they need to be but just not past the threshold of income or assets at the end of every month. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's my brother was on private. My dad was the president of an insurance company and he was spending like 25% of his salary at one point taking care of my brother trying to find him help. Mm -hmm. And my uh, brother was in a, a private place over in DeLand, Florida. And the owner and my dad became friends. And the man eventually sold his, uh, sold his business. And he said, Let me get, I'm going to try to get your son in a place in Gainesville. And this is a wonderful place with like 300 acres of land. They have cottages of 12 residents with around-the-clock care. Now, if my brother had gotten 50% of his inheritance, mm -hmm. he would have lost that. He would have had to leave the facility. Right. This facility is not accepting new patients. So he could have burned through all of his money, which would have been very quick because he's, uh, you know, he's high need with right. special care. 
and then he couldn't have gotten back into the facility just because of a mistake in the estate plan. Mm -hmm. it really, so. Mistakes in the estate plan can really be generational. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, going forward. Absolutely. So I know we kind of covered the gifting rule, but is there anything you want to add to the gifting rule? Like how do those work? And Well, you can just write a check for 15000 per person, but uh, there's a lot of confusion about gifting and Medicaid. Because people here, we us talk about the $15,000 per person rule that you can give. The IRS doesn't tax you. Uh, but if an elderly person were to give $15,000 to their children, the, there's a five-year look-back period on uh, disqualification for a Medicaid plan. So it's different. from liquidating all their assets so they qualify for Medicaid. Right. Or giving them all away. Mm-hmm. You know, you give away, you have a $500,000 state, you give away 500000 so you don't have any assets, so you qualify for Medicaid. You fill out the 709 gift tax return and report the gift. But guess what? You've disqualified yourself for Medicaid. There's a five-year look-back period. Of, um, they look back for gifting. Mm -hmm. So uh, we don't use gifting at all in Medicaid planning, and we discourage people from making gifts if you're close to going into a nursing home right? because you could be disqualified. So uh, we have a full-time Medicaid attorney on staff, and basically what he would do is to shift assets uh, into non-countable categories. Uh, your homestead doesn't count up to $560,000 worth of value doesn't count as an asset at all. So mm -hmm. sometimes we buy, so the person might buy a more expensive home, use their cash that would disqualify them, buy a more expensive home. Uh, you can put money into a personal service contract um, what is that? All right, that's a care contract for life. Mm -hmm. So elderly parent puts, you know, they have a home in 200000 So we put the 200000 into a personal service contract to usually who their power of attorney person is. And the power of attorney now can use that money for their care, but it doesn't count as a gift to them because it's now it's in a special, right. uh, special okay. needs uh, agreement, personal service contract. So there are lots of ways where people, even with money, can qualify for Medicaid almost right away with some of these special rules that most people don't know about. The five-year look-back, is that only gifts, or do they, what if you start liquidating stock, if you own a piece of a privately held business that suddenly gets uh, you know, signed over to a relative? Is the five-year look-back just gifts or all assets? Well, all, all assets that are gifted, which okay. could be stock. Yeah, I think gift, I think writing a check, but yeah. it actually could be stopped. Well, no, but the, value, the trick there would be to get um, evaluation that was low mm -hmm. by a professional. Right. And usually the more owners you have, the more di diminished the value is. Uh, if you have multiple owners on like a limited partnership, yeah. for example, you, have, you, you can get it appraised a little lower. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So. Yeah. So there are all kinds of uh, ways to, to do things that people should, should know about. Okay. Let's see what else we got here. Um, how do you avoid guardianship court with legal documents? How to That's avoid guardianship? That's a big guardianship. for us, too, in the reverse mortgage world. Yeah. Well, guardianship, if I, asked, if I was speaking to an audience, I'd say, well, how many of you would like to be declared incompetent and uh, <laughs> the court appoint your guardian for you? You know, nobody would raise their hand. But, hey, if you don't plan for it, it's possible. You can have a stroke or an accident or become incapacitated. Mm -hmm. uh, the best way to avoid guardianship is to give someone a durable power of attorney, mm -hmm. give someone a health care surrogate, mm -hmm. and of course assets in a trust can be used for their benefit as well. But uh, those are the important documents. And if you have those, 
Just think, guardianship's a very expensive process yeah. to go through. I mean, you're talking about five or $10,000 probably the first year in fees. No, it's not quick. If you've given someone the power of attorney to act on your behalf, they have an immediate document, a little, well, now it's a 14-page document in their office, but they have that power to do anything you could do. So you don't need to be declared incompetent. You've legally given someone the power to attorney to act on your behalf. Same with the health care surrogate document. You've given someone the power to make all your health care decisions when you can't. Uh, so there's a few little simple documents like that. They cost, cost like $125. Mm -hmm. You're avoiding thousands of dollars in legal uh, expenses. And anyone could have a stroke or an accident today yeah. or tomorrow. Yep. Yeah, you don't plan for that. It's not on your schedule. I know. So if you got a document to cover yourself, then you wouldn't be declared incompetent because you plan not to. Yeah, we've had a, I've only had a couple in my 14, 12, 12 or 13 years of doing reverse mortgages where the family really needed this, but they hadn't done a durable power of attorney while mom and dad, or either one or both, were mentally capable. It was too late now. Yeah, they can't so now you have to go now. through the guardianship, but really and truly the purpose for the reverse mortgage, whether it be a new roof or, or medical, was immediate. But it took three to four months to get a judge in Florida to sign off on the guardianship. It was just sad. Very wow. sad. No, you got to send out two doctors to do an evaluation. You've got to have a hearing with notice. You know, Holy all, all kind of things have to happen before you can have the person declared incompetent. Mm -hmm. And then they have to basically decide what, what rights they have still and what you know, if they've lost all <coughs> their rights or there are a few that they can, uh, yeah. can they still get married? <laughs> it's very <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> well, yeah. You have to be fairly insane to get married to begin with, but the <laughs> that's just a, a poison point of view for me. Um, I can't believe that. John just said eight minutes. I I would have guessed that a half an hour at most that we were talking. At most, that's amazing. Um, oh my god, I lost my trend of thought. What were they? You were talking. We're talking about oh, the power of attorney sorry, and everything. That was a the guardianship. It was seven, it's 17 minutes. He was, it wasn't oh. eight minutes. He was saying something else. The guardianship. Yeah, I, I also noticed in one of the cases, um, and people don't think about this till it's happening. I'm sure you go, yeah, I see it all the time. It's very emotional to, to actively try and have your mom and or dad or anyone that you love legally declared declared and kind. There's a certain emotion there. You know you're doing it for the right reason. Yeah, but this is the person that you know, taught you how to play catch, taught you what two and two was, taught you how to drive your car, on and the now you've got to do this. On the other hand, there's sometimes they're very stubborn about doing a document, too. Mm -hmm. You can say, Mom or Dad, you need to do a power of attorney. I need to have power to help you. I mm -hmm. want to be able to make health care decisions. If you, you, know, you faint and fall down and hit your head, you know, nobody yeah. has the power to do anything for you. So yeah. you, you know, you, sometimes they, just, they don't want to do the document. I know. Uh, and sometimes they just won't do the document, so then you're stuck with a guardianship. Yeah. There's so many things in your world that people don't want to do. They need to do it. In fact, they probably need to do it earlier than they do it. Yeah, well, one of the key things is w at what point does a parent uh, take the car keys That's away right. from mom or dad who no longer... We've talked about that yeah, with all our long-term yeah. very The psychological part of taking the keys from your mom or dad is very rough. My dad still talks about getting the keys. He's got dementia. <laughs> Well, He's I've always had, uh, asking me where his car is. I've had, uh, you know, you don't have to be, you could just be weak, you're too weak to drive, but you're mentally fine. Mm -hmm. you, could, you don't have reflexes uh, enough to slam on brakes if something happens in your car. Mm -hmm. You don't have reflexes to swerve quick enough or do lots of things. So it doesn't have to be mental. 
And I've had uh, people who come into me and they ask, the, the child will come in and say, how do I get the car away from, you know, my, my parents? They just won't listen to me. So I said, well, look, you know, what I would do is just call your parents' doctor. Have the doctor do it. The doctor knows they shouldn't be driving. That's right. And they might not, they need a little push sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's not you. Don't, don't, take, don't take the head yourself. Yeah. Keep your relationship with your parent and have the doctor revoke their yeah. license. Everybody takes that type of news, I think, better from a stranger. I remember when I said to my dad, you really shouldn't be driving anymore. And I can't repeat what he said to me. We were very close, obviously, and we lived with each other. But, and then about 15, 20 minutes later, I've told the story before. He went, you know what? I know you're right, but don't sell it. And leave the keys where I always put it. I'm not going to drive, but I'd like to again one day, so let's not sell it. And I went, okay. And that made him feel better. Right. But the first reaction was, yeah, mm -hmm. X-rated, I can't say it. I mean, it's, I couldn't imagine Very losing sad. my right to well, drive. And I don't mean that this is uh, easier for a woman. I don't, please don't anybody write in and say I'm being a chauvinist. But a man in a car are very different, even if you're not a car guy. Um, you know, a man and his car are, are bonded from the time they had their first car when they were 16 or the time they took their father's car or mother's car for the first time. Um, yeah, it, it's rough. On I'm a pretty bonded to my car. Your new one, yeah. Well, I yeah. just like being able to drive. Uh, the sad thing is a lot of the older uh, folks don't like their cell phone and don't want to use and learn yes, how to use a cell true. phone because there's Uber. Now you can have your groceries delivered. You can oh, yeah. have restaurant food delivered. It's just as easy as punch a few things in on your cell phone, and there you go. Yeah. Uh, and they, life could be almost the same in today's world with all the technology that's available to them. But I'm also noticing not just older people. This used to be, um, I think, especially for older people, but not anymore. In certain beautiful communities around, uh, you're seeing people do everything on golf carts. Street mm -hmm. legal golf carts in they their community. Dangerous Not too, just though. to go to the golf course, though. They're taking it to public. They're taking oh, yeah, it to they the have special parking spots. Little, uh, yeah. What Sun, a world. Sun City Center, where I have one of my offices, they have a, the biggest golf cart parade mm -hmm. every year. I mean, they line them up and they have <laughs> shut down the streets thing. and there are thousands of golf carts going down the street. Yeah, I've That's seen funny. them that look like Hummers, Corvettes, yeah, Mercedes. Yeah, they look really they're, nice. They're they really be, nice. they got to be a few bucks there. Oh, they are. Are they? They are. Oh, yeah. They can be pretty pricey. What a community. For sure. Yeah. But they are fun. But I do know somebody who got brain damage from one, that a car hit them when they were crossing. Yeah, it's got to be. The, that's dangerous. It's still dangerous. Mm -hmm. it's still dangerous. Well, that can happen with anything, though. Right. Motorcycles, scooters. Right. Yeah. They're still a So one of the questions I get once in a while is a couple will have a uh, joint trust and they get divorced. So the question is, what, what happens now? That's right. Yeah. So basically the answer there is you take all the assets out of the trust because they're going to split them up anyway, and then you create your own trust. And another question I get all the time is, suppose I have multiple pieces of real estate. Can, uh, how do you get those in a trust? Because they could be located in different states. One beautiful thing about a trust is you can put it in it's a bucket, I call it. So you can put real estate in it from all 50 states if you wanted to. Really? And avoid probate in all 50 states. Can so you, are trust laws mostly national, not state? Yeah, but I get an, uh, I would always get the attorney in another state to, I got to, sign to off do the on deed. Or something. Okay, yeah. I got you. So timeshares can go in trust to avoid probate. You have a lot of things that you don't think about are going to go through probate, but they do. Mm -hmm. now, um, when I came on to your show, because I know we're, now, we're not short on time, but we're getting towards the end. When I was on your show, there were some incredible questions, but there were some that, you know, I had to back, back away from the microphone because I laughed. 
So I got to ask you this because there was one. We're not going to talk about this one. But there was one that I just went like that and you shut off the microphone and went, oh, I get this all the time. What is some of your more laughable questions? Because we got a couple on the hour that you invited me. Well, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, one lady wanted to know if she could probate her own will. Of course, you, know, you, have, to, you have to die first. Uh, and after about the third time of explaining to her mm -hmm. she couldn't, I think she might have finally gotten it. Mm -hmm. uh, one man uh, called and wanted to, he was talking real slow, slower than this. I mean, it's just like a drooling question, and I'm just sitting there trying to be patient to let him finish his short question that was taking forever. So... Um, so he finally said, uh, I said, you know, what's determined the problem was that the funeral home director had kept the gold from his mother's teeth. Oh, or it wouldn't give him the gold from his mother's that's teeth. That's real oh sensitive. Oh, my gosh. This was years ago. Issues. Well, this was on real deep levels. Yeah, well, this was a long time ago, though, uh, when I first, this was probably the first three or four years I was doing the radio. So I said, well, and I kind of just chuckled slightly while I was stalling, really, to try to think of how I'm going to answer this question. Yeah. And then the guy in his really slow way of talking said, you're going to laugh at me like everyone else has. He said that super slow. Um, so then I had to spend time assuring him I wasn't laughing at him. I was just kind of pausing, thinking of how I was going to help him and right. answer his question. So I know I get... That's uh, terrible. Yeah. I've got, I've got some uh, gold teeth in my, from one of my estates in a little sealed bag, <laughs> trying to figure out <laughs> what I'm going to do with them, because I guess I'll get them appraised somehow. Because gold's worth a lot now. Back back when this was, gold was, wasn't wow. that valuable. I never even thought about that. So I, people, I really? Yeah. So, I guess sometimes the funeral home, the funeral homes must just look, and if it's gold in their teeth, they might pull them and give them a bag to the family. I don't know. Is there a lore about that? That, you know, if it, if it was in the deceased, yeah, it belongs think. to the family? Well, yeah. I never thought about that. You know, there's, you know of yeah, course, now we don't use gold, but even when I was a kid, gold fillings were, were a thing. And it was bigger than that before I was, you know, born. Yeah, you know, at a, uh, what, what's gold up to now? How much an ounce? Uh, it's over. I have no idea. Yeah, it's a lot. I don't know. Exactly. We have 40,000 people watching. I'd say 20,000 are going, <laughs> Grandma, open your mouth for a second. Because <laughs> I see a new boat in my future. <laughs> Grandma, say, ah. Um, well, that's incredible. I never would have thought of that. Well, some of the other questions was a uh, lady wanted to know if she, he, she and her dog could be cremated together. Well, I hope the dog is alive. Well, is the dog going to be dead? <laughs> is she going to kill the dog if she's yeah. going out? Well, no, she wants the dog to die shortly after she does. And they want okay, to, that's she wants rude. To be that's wrong. I hope you said no together. to that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I want, that, that, dog. I want that dog taken away. Do we know where that woman lives? I had people ask if they could be buried in their backyard, you know, things like that. I've, I've got a lot of interesting questions. I should write a little book about the most interesting I was interesting just going to say that. You should write a book about the most because that would sell. It would keep people smiling. It would be. Yeah, um, without be getting too funny. much into detail. We had a question um, about a man that was injured on his privates. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought maybe you were setting this up to get me to laugh. Oh. <laughs> because when the guy started talking, because he was getting some very serious questions about a state law. I mean, I mean the, the phones just don't stop on his show. And then this guy calls up and starts to talk about the injury to, uh, to Mr. Happy. And I thought he was just setting me up so I would be hysterical. And I'm like this. I'm pushing the button so you can't hear me. And he pushes his button and goes, no, this happens. Oh, no, my I, gosh. I never set up a call. I mean, I just don't need to. Basically. I thought you were just trying to make me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, funny. Anyway, can I No, please. This one no, more time? I want you to promote yourself, so, your website. Uh, All right, so we have 20 office locations around Florida. 
this is our poster sheet, I call it, a state planning poster sheet. It's got five articles on the front side about wills, trust, uh, probate, little charts to explain everything. On the other side of the sheet is my website, office locations, attorneys, radio shows. Radio show uh, is every Saturday morning it's on 570, 860 uh, in this area. And you can contact me, we have a toll-free office number, 1-800-226-3529. You can email me at joe, J-O-E, at A-T-T-Y-P-I-P. And I really want to thank you for having me on the show again. So. Uh, yeah, you, I hope you're going to come back. And so. I do. You've seen this on my desk. Yeah. It was nine months ago when he was on, ten months ago. And it has made me, obviously, I never pretend to know more than I want, but I also don't like looking dumb. And referencing this has, has allowed me to go, yeah, look, you need nice. to call an attorney. I want yeah. one of those. Because... Well, if you call in, you'll get a free one. I will. I'll be and, the first uh, one. I want to say that Mike's my go-to guy on any reverse mortgage questions. Sometimes I get reverse mortgage questions on the show, and I'll call him. Uh, I forget what the last the last one was a little bit unusual. Cause, yeah, uh, but we wife, have, yeah. Uh, yeah, a wife uh, who only had a life interest in the trust yep. got a reverse mortgage. I don't know. That's going to be a lawsuit. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Because she took no money when she couldn't. But we actually have. helped. What, I mean, I think I got about eight calls in 15 minutes, and... Some of them, of course, a lot of times people already have a reverse mortgage, and unfortunately their lender is not answering their questions. Mm -hmm. So I was able to help some people. But no, I closed a very nice reverse mortgage. And when I say very nice, it wasn't large. Um, but we really helped the person, yeah. um, which is always a great feeling. Yeah, in fact, anytime you, you know, I, I got to sit down and talk to you about maybe doing something um, on your station, you know, for reverse mortgages. Because again, part of longer lifespans, there are three things that people just need. And it's amazing to me. I, I shouldn't say that. Your industry, they need. They must prepare mm -hmm. for death with certain things. I wasn't the only person that heard that. Too. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad you both looked up because I don't. Want, um, but you know, this whole show, and not just this show, much bigger mainstream shows than us, are all about funding longevity. How do you get from the early '60s to '90, '95? And and we've had a guest twice, uh, the regional director from the Weizmann Institute in Israel. We're 10 to 20 years away from things coming out pharmaceutically that's going to take us to 100, 110 years old. Um, so funding longevity is on the tip of every elder law attorney, certified financial planner, long-term care insurance agents person, uh, you know, mouth. It, it's, and no two things do that better than long-term care insurance and reverse mortgages. And when structured correctly with a professional like you, most of America can have a great life from 62 to 90, 95, and sleep it well knowing that they're passing on wealth you know, with the lowest cost possible. So yeah, I want to talk to your radio station about possibly maybe doing something consistently about reverse mortgages, because I thought, again, if we got two, three calls in that 15 mm -hmm. minutes, um, and I know you usually don't. You have want to guests. get the show right before me or right after me? Um, whatever gets me. Well, I would have to say I don't know. Whatever gets me to take advantage of your thirty-five. I want to just hook my probably caboose right after on. my show. I want to hook my caboose right up to your locomotive there and just keep go <laughs> just keep going. You know what I mean? Um, I want to be the Jay Leno to your Johnny Carson. That's my that's my thing. All right, sounds like a plan. <laughs> Let's talk to the radio. Right. It's a great little radio station too. Uh, what do you still have the same producer? It was a young man that yeah. was super cool. Lahuti. Yeah, he's a super cool guy. Um, John, about how much time do we have? Four minutes. Well, really and truly, thank you, as always. Um, I hope you're not a stranger. Um, we are going to be, uh, the audience knows, 
<clears throat> changing to a panel show. Um, two to three people at a time, um, bringing in the most popular people of elder law attorneys, <clears throat> uh, long-term care insurance, reverse mortgages, Medicare, Medicare supplemental policies. This seems to be what is uh, allowing 62 who knew you know, to grow you know, to where it has. So I hope you'll consider coming back. I know you got to drive to be here. You, know, you can always beam in, but we love having you right here. Yeah. Yeah, I came today from Davenport, so it's like... How long is that, about an hour and probably, a half? No, it was like an hour and a half just to have gotten home. Oh, so my it was, God. It was probably two and a half hours. What were you wow. doing in Davenport? I have an office there. Oh, that, oh today's Polk your day? County. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. Well, always know if you're far away, you can beam in. Beam in. Yeah, beam that's in, it. Scotty. That's, it. that's we'll exactly right. And anything else that you can think of? Anything um, about I just wanted your to make a and, comment, that's okay. all, and just to see if he sees this. My husband's a financial planner, and I also am licensed to do some. But we, there are several times that we had people come into our office. They had, you know, he would always review their trust. Mm -hmm. Several times, the trust weren't funded with mm -hmm. anything. Nothing in the trust. Yeah. Well, uh, that's why we, when, the way I do my practice is I send them a letter every three, three to four years and ask them to come in for review that doesn't cost anything. And that's mm -hmm. one of the questions. Uh, at my meeting when they're signing the trust, I give them written instructions on how to put their property in the trust, and I always do their Florida real estate for them as part of the package. Mm -hmm. But we get them to initial a little sheet that tells them how to do their checking, savings, money market, CDs, how to get these things into the name of the trust, because all it is is adding the word trustees and the date of the trust behind their name, mm -hmm. and it's not difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, but if some people, though, they just don't get around to it, or they close one account and open a new account and don't think about it. There, there are some people who just need to be reminded every now and then. That's most right. people. I just wanted to make that comment because yeah. I've yeah, seen Yeah, funding it. the trust is very important because if you don't... <laughs> Otherwise, you don't have a trust. Well, I, I've well, you I mean, have you a have trust, it, but... but then you have a pour-over will that's going to be probated to get assets from the pour-over will to the trust. Yeah. I've, I've had many people say to me over the years, not just reverse client customers, oh, I went online, I did a trust. I go, okay, can you send it? Because the title company and the underwriter have to review it. And they did go online and put in their, but they didn't do anything with it. It's just like this blank thing. I go, well, what's in it? Well, I went online, I paid the $99 and I did it, it's done. I go, but there's nothing in it. Yeah, it's really very funny that they don't realize they gotta do something. In a lot of states, a lot of times they're like a national document, they're unique little things in Florida, like the homestead they haven't considered. And then they can't do the deed themselves, usually correctly into the trust to avoid probate. So, it's interesting. Could you give somebody just text me? Could you give your website again of yeah, how they it, could get a hold of you? The okay. website is www.attypip.com. You can email me directly at joe, J O E, at attypip.com. All right. We do have, we only have about a minute left. And there are actually, uh, not even, I, I, the voices in my head just said not even. Um, and we do have a few more questions that I'll forward to you. How much do we have, John? 10 seconds? About 35 seconds. We actually, no fooling around, all fooling around uh, aside, have uh, three more wonderful guests coming in July. I have a couple of incredible people um, in August, uh, one of which is in the top 1% life insurance salespeople in the country. Wow. Uh, so we have never had a life insurance expert like this uh, that has been coming on, and we'll probably have a long-term care insurance expert at the same time. So with 15 seconds left, thank you again. My I pleasure. hope you will it's come back. Thank you. Glad you're thank back. You. Thank you. And, Good to be back. Um, to the audience, thank you for supporting us. Thank you for growing. 
Go to 62whondo.com for information on reverse mortgages, long-term care insurance, and everything else that you need. Thank you very much.